Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm Will Johnson. We're new and we're damn glad to have you. We hope you've got your judges scorecard. Folks, this is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're talking about the cherished, the memorable, the revered Tree of Life, directed by Terrence Malick, recommended by kind of a little bit of both of us in terms of a lover and a hater. Our format is this. The recommended lover goes first. That will be Will. They get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded cakes. The hater follows with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth. After that, we open up for 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. Folks, Will Johnson's here. Don Shinhan's here. Let's go. So I want you to... Um... If your wife is in the room or your kids, I want you to blink twice if you need help, because mm. you said all those things about the tree of life. And I feel like this is a trap of some some sort, or you've been kidnapped and forced be. to say things. Can't wait for my five minutes, but your five minutes have started now. So far away. All right. You set, have you set the timer? I have set the timer. All right. So. All right. I'm a weird guy. I don't I think many of you know that. Um I always kind of went the road less traveled when it came to uh, Terrence Malick. Um, I think the biggest example of that was when I was in high school, um, you know, 1997 uh, or 98, I should say, was a year that they had two major war movies, or at least that's how they promoted them. You had Saving Private Ryan came out that year, and then you had The Thin Red Line, directed by Terrence Malick. Uh, I was a huge Malik nerd, and I convinced all my friends to go see the Thin Red Line, um, and they were all expecting this, you know, epic, um, Saving Private Ryan esque, you know, World War II, grimy, gory, action packed adventure, and instead they got, uh, you know, forty five hours of uh, men uh, reading poetry while uh, Terrence Malick slowly puts his camera through. Uh, trees in which the sun is shining through and it just goes on like that forever and ever and uh i couldn't be more pleased with anything like that uh the meandering uh almost i don't want to say pointless but the kind of free nature of the way he directed a film like that uh, especially when you have the ability to um uh, you'll go into deeper corners or action or actiony corners or whatever. Like he did, he went the road less traveled and that's what I did. My friends were all bored to death. Uh, I was very happy and I saw it multiple times in the theater um, and people thought I was crazy. So I am a sucker for the, the kind of Terrence Malick um, experience, um, which it is an experience to watch his films. Um, you know, I remember taking my mom to see the new world and I was like one of like three people in the theater and everyone was, I could just tell from the people that were in there that they were trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Why are we spending nine hours looking at a log, you know, <laughs> in, uh, you know, uh, in uh, the uh, the colonies. And I was just like, it's not about, it's not about a plot necessarily. It's not about um, going from A to B to C. 
the thing about a Malick film is it's all about it's all about mood. It's all about feeling. Tree of Life, to me, is well. First of all, I'm astounded by the audacity of such a film because it decides to go on both sides of the spectrum. It decides to show you a small, tiny piece of Americana in the fifties. You know, just a family of uh, I believe it's three boys. It's three boys. Yes, one's a baby. Three boys, and then the mother and father. One played by the luminous Jessica Chastain. And then the other by Brad Pitt in probably one of the best performances of his career. I always point to Tree of Life as one of those movies that that I say, yes, Brad Pitt can act. He's more than a pretty face. You know, uh, he is a great actor. Tree of Life is one of those. But anyways, I digress. Um, You have this small slice of Americana in the 50s. And then you have countered with that (laughs) the formation of the fucking universe, which I find... Just amazing, the audacity of a filmmaker to go to those lengths, to basically compare the human experience on such a tiny level to the universe and its expansion and its the best it can offer and the worst it can offer and the frightening, in, like uh, indifferent nature of the universe. Because by the film's end, there's a fantasy of, um, I believe, the world exploding from the sun you know, or the world dying from the sun exploding. So I just love the audacity of it. It takes what I what I saw from Malik at, at an early age, like early for me, because I wasn't alive during, you know, his heyday before he disappeared for 20 years, like Days of Heaven and Badlands and stuff. I didn't see those till later in life. But me, I was more into that retrospective or that uh, introspective Malik mood with, you know, Thin Red Line and uh, the new world and things like that. Um, the religious stuff threw me off a little bit. I'm not a very religious person, um, but I do like the mixture of religion and philosophy. And it also, unlike a lot of very hardcore religious things, doesn't discount science because there's actual dinosaurs in this thing, <laughs> which, which if you told me a tree of life has dinosaurs in it, uh, you probably would have been like, what? But it does. It has dinosaurs in it. And it actually, one of the best scenes of the movie talks about the ethics of life when a dinosaur chooses at one point not to kill its helpless prey and actually decides to go do something else. These are the kind of philosophical human, even if it's a dinosaur, human element that you get out of a Malik film. And the Tree of Life probably emphasizes those the most by going on the wide range of. Like I said, going from the tiniest nuclear family in the 50s all the way to the formation of the year. Also, oh, finish your point, finish your point, finish. My last point was also for those of you who are into practical effects, such as Star Trek, the motion picture, the original Blade Runner, 2001, a space odyssey. All the visual effects in this film, believe it or not, were practical effects done by Douglas Trumbull, who came out of retirement. Mm -hmm. So. The visuals in this are not only astounding, but they are a throwback to a former age of cinematic storytelling. Anyways, that is my time. All right. All right. That's, that's, that was lovely. That was really cute. <laughs> you know, I, I, if, you, if you put that in a card and then covered it in drapes and some grass, you could sell that to Terrence Malick's grandkids and they would be like, oh, this man likes us. I'm going to tell you right now, I hate this movie. I don't say hate a lot. You can ask my wife. I hate this movie. And where I'm coming from with this is 
I'm at a point of so much hate for this movie that I feel bad for people like yourself and people like everyone else who raves about this movie who find something from this movie. I'm like, oh my God, how empty is your fucking life that this is the movie that inspires and stirs you so much to change and move your life. Do you know what I get out of this movie? Not a damn thing, right? I get the 1950s sucked. I get 1950s dad sucked. I get that women didn't get to do shit. And I get that there's a way of grace and a way of whatever else the other thing was that becomes the only quote I remember from the movie, all right? Other than that, it's two hours and 45 minutes of the most chopped, choppily edited, prettiest thing in the whole wide world. I dig it. On an existential level, I'm there. You know, the tree of life symbolizes religious, scientific, philosophical notation that is everywhere. The Chinese, the Indians, the Norse, the Egyptians, everybody's got their kind of symbolism that goes towards a tree of life thing. I can get that. I can dig that. You know, I'm a heady critic. I can pick up that sort of thing between man of faith, man of science, all that existential stuff. Is it pretty to look at? Sure. If it's a slideshow on my computer for a screensaver, because that's what this movie's chopped up to be. All right. You have gorgeous cinematography from Emmanuel Lebesky that is chopped to shreds because they have to weave the weakest narrative possible of random 1950s this and gloomy present day that where every four seconds, hey, look, there's a fucking tree. Hey, look, there's a waterfall. Hey, look, there's Jessica Chastain wishes she could talk, but let's put her in some drapes because we haven't done that four movies in a row. I just can't see the shred of the point of this movie. To the point where, like I said, if you actually glean something from this, I feel sorry for you. Because all I wanted after this movie was a roadmap, a five-hour energy, (laughs) headphones to hear the whispers, and tape to hold my eyes open. I was lost. I bet if I rewatch it, I might be able to grab another point or two or pick something else up of what I got. I think I can easily respect Brad Pitt's performance and all that. But this is the most pretentious piece of shit I've ever seen. All right. I'm a fancy pants film critic. I do the whole Rotten Tomatoes thing. I've climbed that level. I'm, I'm all that. I, I, I can, I can watch some slow cinema. I can do all that. But this movie is a stack of postcards flipped as if it was an old school animated flip book. That's all you got. Because man, by the time I was bored out of my mind as it was. Now I can be impressed by the legendary effects that are possible from old school things from Douglas Trumbull, but the 30 minute plus dramatization of the big bang and the formation of the universe lost. Give me back my life because all I'm looking for there is Sir Richard Attenborough and prettier music and better visuals. In the meantime, you have Desplat score that just kind of willows there a little bit in that. And then, yeah, by the time we finish that, that whole universe sequence we're back to the 1950s where it sucks where we're kicking the can we're chasing pesticide trucks and it's just so random is it mature and is it pretty sure but man i need something more than that the i need some dialogue i need some conversation more than just things that are whispered for two hours i hear there's a six hour cut of this that might be on criterion or something Mm. no thank you no thank you whatsoever because by the time I go through a candle glow, another set of clouds, some skyscrapers, another tree, I am just beaten to death. I want nothing to do with it. The average, I'll sound like a fancy pants film critic again here. The average shot length of this movie feels like I'm watching a Transformers movie. Because 
like I said, there's gorgeous, long-form, slow cinema things going on here that is chopped to shreds by every random inserted image of nature. Now, I get that that's your streaming of consciousness thing. I don't need to watch that for two hours and 45 minutes. Absolutely not. It is just, ah, sure, it's pretty. Sure, it's nice. But I just want some ice cream when I'm done. I want my three hours of my life back. I want a long hug. I want my brain reprogrammed. No, thank you. Wow. Wow. Wow, you're always right on time. It's, uh, I am always right on time. It's amazing. It helps that I get to watch the clock. Well, it's just amazing that you're able to condense the massive amounts of bullshit that you spew out into a five-minute mm. thing. It's amazing. I, I, I just am, I know. Big pride. I, it's just... Um, I'm patting uh, myself in the back. Gary Horowitz, 80 style. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't know um, how to comment That's on That's because that. you have no reply. There's nothing that can be refuted in what I've said. Well, I Got me. don't know if it deserves a reply. Like, I should even... Oh. Should I even... Are we, we calling it a show? Should, oh, should I, guys, it's been nice. Hit the outro. Should I have even lowered myself to respond to this? Just absolute... Mm. You know, here's the thing about Don Guys. Smart guy. Um, smart guy. Uh, you know, not a lot of there, there, but we won't go into that. That's just Ooh. another thing. But and my whole point is, is that first of all, I'm offended, sir. Offended that you would say that uh, by me getting anything out of this film, uh, that I have no life. Now, look, you may no be life. correct. I do not have I'm a life, so sir. But called it. It's a coincidence. It. It's a coincidence. Merely sure, <laughs> sure. Let me guess. You watch Melancholia and just want to bone Kristen Dunst on the golf course and let the world smash into us and kill us too in that movie too. Oh, here, Bonsure coming next. Here we go. Tricks on you, pal. I've never seen Melancholia except for that nude scene on MrSkin.com. <laughs> so you chose wisely. Yes, you chose wisely. So that's the only yeah. thing I've seen in that film was her naked. So I yeah. there. Ha. This is not helping okay. my case that I have no life. No, it is not. Okay. As anyways. the clock ticks by. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, here's the thing. I, when I yeah. think when I think of Tree of Life, I actually am not um, like when I when I take some of the other uh, philosophical movies that really move me, sure. like, like Blade Runner twenty forty nine and things like that. Ooh, I yeah, I, I'm not really necessarily moved by Tree of Life. I'm more impressed with the ability for filmmaker to take on the task of using something small and something big to make their point. And uh, just, okay. just the concept of tree of life gets yeah. me going because I just love the idea that I'll give you an example. Uh, I gave a speech at a wedding once where I talked about, okay. I talked about how, when you when you're on when you're on a cruise ship, right? Near the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a place I'd rather be than this movie. Keep going. <laughs> yes, yes. There is such a sense of feeling small. Where you mm-hmm. feel when you realize that you're just a tiny speck in this dude, because you're surrounded by ocean which has miles and miles of life both below and around. And you're on this little tiny boat of civilization. And mm-hmm. it made me think of the fact that the way that we interact in this world, the way that we create worlds with our little family units, our little circle of friends, and then okay. compare that to 
the enormity of the universe and the fact that there are billions and trillions and kajillion uh, little little Earths, just like the ones we have in our families and our small circle of friends. It always just made me wonder. And to me, that can be a very intimidating and can be a very, um, I wouldn't say sad, but it, it is a philosophical yeah. thing where you think, man, I'm just so yeah. small in this universe. No, I, I, I can match that. I, I have felt that in many ways. Like I'm uh, a failed, busted, you know, Irish Catholic where, you know, I've kind of been missionary dated by my wife to kind of go non-denominational and try to get better about being a church guy. And I get to the point where in many, many places where same thing, I look at the world, I feel small. I don't feel the bigger picture of things and all that. And I have those existential, you know, that existential angst and grief. And, and, and when those things happen, sure, I can turn to, you know, the idea of is there grace out there? And sure, can I, I can turn to the idea of, of where my place is in nature and how small I really am. Can I do that without Brad Pitt as my dad being a shithead in the 50s? Hearing about how my dad's life when he was a kid in the 50s sucked? Yeah, I'm good. I can find, I can, I tell you what, my cup can fill with that from other places, more successful places, and even to a point more prettier places or even more dreadful places than watching this movie. No, <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I hear you. There's, there is philosophical ground to tread here. But then I get to the way Malik does it. And I'm lost. You know, mm. I don't need 30 minutes at the beginning of time. I don't need every drape again and every curtain and every tracking shot. Like to me, and I'm going to say this to me, he's a hack. Mm. He is Michael Bay with prettier skills. Whoa. He has the same five moves. He's he is Seth Rogen in the knocked up where he's got the, the dice dance move. And that's all he's got. He's got the drapes. He's got the he has Lubeski wrapped around his nuts. And that's it. Because other than that, he has this, I don't really have a script. We just kind of go out there and act. That's crap. That's a hack move. That's Bush League. Have a story, have a script, go somewhere with it. You can shoot the prettiest things in the world, but if it's incoherent or pretentious, it goes nowhere for me. By the time you do all that and chop it up with, the, like I said, the Apple OS slideshow of nature images that I wish would be, ooh, that's a nice wallpaper. Do I need to watch that for $11 in three, three hours? No. So pr prettiest postcard, prettiest stack of postcards in the world, but I can't go there to the, I see, I, like I said, I said in my review and I say in lots of places, I, I get what he's trying to do. I just can't call it effective. Well, here's the thing. I, yeah, I can see why people would think this is pretentious. Um, mm. I, well, for one, I don't care. I, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's one thing that, that makes me. That's fair. To each I, their own on this stuff. I, I agree. I think, like I said, this works for me because, okay, like I said, when when Thin Red Line came out and everyone was expecting, based on the trailers, another Saving Private Ryan, and you got mm -hmm. this very methodical look at at nature and sure and and how people think in times of crisis and war. Yeah, um, I, I'm a big sucker for. Uh, I think we talked about this on a prior podcast, but I'm a big sucker for slice of life put me in the mm -hmm. in this put me in this place fly on the wall kind of stuff so, sure so to me to get the intimate details of a home because when you go yeah. into somebody's home for the first time you don't know the the ins and outs and the nooks and crannies and what certain things sure. mean to people the fact that this film can portray not only the small tiny things that make you feel like you're living in a home 
but also explores the universe. And that's what I'm saying. I just love the audacity of it. I, I'm not as sure. I'm not as moved by it. I, I'm more like to think about it. I don't want to say that I'm moved by this film. Um, okay. I am moved by Thank you. Yeah. I, I am I am uh very moved by Brad Pitt's performance. I think I'll tip my hat. I think that he's excellent. I think that um the fact that he is it's very easy to portray like a 50s father as this mm-hmm. rough like you know yeah. uh, terrible person the fact that he has layers to him the fact that he has these passions that he cannot mm-hmm. you know commit to uh because of his job because of circumstances in life um, yeah the fact that there's shades of gray to him i mean is he is, okay. is he an abusive father i think that's up for debate like is it is, i yeah sure i think he's like a 1950s level of abusive like the kind of guy who will you know, give you a couple of spanks and a couple of slaps. He's not bruising kids and getting DCFS called them probably because it didn't exist. But at the same time, <laughs> no, he's not, he's not ruining children for life, but he's sure making them remember, Hey, don't cross the boss. And, you know, I will tip my hat to Brad Pitt. It's, that was a very mature performance. Same year he did Moneyball, which was, you know, what a one, two punch in terms of like nice to show the range of acting. Yeah. Cause we got the Brad Pitt coolness that we all expected or we all know him for in something like Moneyball, where he can show that charm, but also show it with an edge. And then you get him here, and you're like, remove all charm, and just make him this force, you know, this this presence. And like you said, some of that's the 1950s and the tone and the minimalism that comes with that kind of performance. And to see that out of Brad Pitt, who by that point was more a movie star than serious actor, was fantastic, you know. So, oh no, I'll tip my hat there. I, but I mean. I'm not going to be one of those people that, you know, throws the Bechdel test at this movie and says there needs to be more female things to do. But I do feel bad for Jessica Chastain other than how good she looks. I just wish she had more to do. Oh, I know really? this meant to be a, a, a little bit. I, I know it's meant to be a male story written by a male who, hmm. you know, I'm pretty I'm guessing Terrence Malick lost a brother because he's made three damn movies about losing a brother where that's kind of where that's going to go. I will circle back and say what you said, like as a filmmaker, where he dares to go is special. like. The Thin Red Line is a movie I very much respect. It, it's obviously, I don't, I don't put those two next to this. I know they came to senior the same way people put Saving Private Ryan next to it. I try not to do that where I'm like, hey, just judge them separately. One's a massive star, you know, showcase that's Tree of Life. And the other one is a Spielberg movie. And they couldn't be farther apart in that kind of way, despite the year they're in. And when Malik has some boundaries, I'll say it like that. When Malik has some boundaries, a beginning, middle, and an end, mm-hmm. he could tell a very beautiful and compelling story. When he doesn't know where he's going and can't quite exactly end it without just going morbidity ending, like like Knight of Cups in this, that's where he loses me. Um, I know he has a, oh, I forgot what was the Oscar contender he had that I got a screener for last year. That's Oh, you know, the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful A Hidden Life. Okay, I haven't seen it yet. I've, I'm just, I, I admit, I'm too scared in, to watch it because... I've been burned way too many times by Malik where I, I just can't go there. Oh, you'll hate I, it. You'll, sure you will despise I'm, it. Oh, then I'm see, I've heard friends recommend it. Then I've heard friends say, Don, you're that guy who hates tree of life. Don't even touch it, but give it a try. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know if I can get there. So someday I will cave and watch the criterion of this just to say I did. And either I hate it more, or maybe I've matured better than I was when I was, you know, 31 instead of 41. Man, I don't well, and I should I should sidebar this uh, just yeah. to have the difference of opinions here. If you go to twenty five YL, uh, mm-hmm. I have a review of Hidden Life that came out uh, when it came out. I All saw right. a press screening of it. 
And Don recently wrote a ridiculous um, uh, review of A Tree of Life. I don't know why he brought it up and only to piss me off because who writes about The Tree of Life or talks about The Tree of Life except us out of a personal vendetta in 2021, (laughs) years after the fucking movie came out. Anyways. The, the the editors asked for a hot take. They're like, hey, we should do a hot take series. I said, I got just the thing. And it was the Tree of Life. So. Oh and yeah, it was, I, I don't know if we've made a hot take article since then on 25 Well. So thank you, Nick Luciano, for your fantastic scheduling and editing. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. All right. Yeah. We have a final minute. We have a final minute of our 15 minute back and forth. My final closing thought is, I yeah, it's a pretentious slog for me. I don't. I know what they're trying to do. It's very pretty with what they're trying to do. But my, the crux of my thing is I don't see a shred of point, you know, it's, Mm. or if there's a shred, it's a pile of shreds because they chopped this movie up so much that I just can't keep up with it. But that's me. I'll let the lover finish with the closing minute and then we'll hit this off. No, all the things that Don doesn't like about the film are things that I like (laughs) about it. I think that's why Uh, Malik appeals to me is because of his unconventional style, which some people will, will no doubt see as pretentious, overlong, boring, um, hacky, mm. maybe. Uh, I said but, it. But, yeah. But I, I see the opposite of it. And I think that's kind of where Malik sits in the, in the realm of film anyway, because I think Malik is this kind of immovable object that people either, yeah. I don't think there's any middle ground with Malik. You either love or hate him. I, I agree. Imagine. Yeah, there he, he counts as a maverick. He counts as a visionary, and I'll say that. But he's just for me a limited one. And I, I mean, his movies will will garner attention no matter where he goes because you just want to see what that guy will attempt next. And and I, he's got. I mean, it, those things will never be marketable. I mean, his movies are box office failures that are just here for the art, and which is fine. But he's unlike unlike Scorsese. I can compliment him on this, like. He's not there trying to make $200 million think pieces. You know, he has made small movies. He has stayed making small movies. Don't get me wrong. Every million dollars you give him, you might as well be throwing down the toilet because you'll never get it back in investment. You'll get it back in artistic integrity and all that, but you'll never make money off this movie or his movies. And that's probably yeah. okay. And he all actually right. doesn't care. He actually doesn't care about star power because he'll actually cut no. people out of his films completely. Oh yeah, no matter how Absolutely. big of a star they are. So, anyways, oh, this was a good hissy fit. This was liberating for me even to, to release the hate of this movie that I always have. It's a pleasure to chop it down every chance I get. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. It's, uh, I'm glad you got to. Um get this off your chest um i did I, i'm not really that offended uh really uh, to be honest with you I, I totally get it i mean you're wrong but i mean that's fine i but know whatever. i called you empty inside you and everybody else and you, <laughs> you made it through and i'm mm. i i applaud you and the show will go on mm. hit us with the finish all right so everybody uh follow us on twitter at at cinephile fits and on facebook at cinephile hissy fits podcast also find us both on letterboxd uh, we've posted a poll matching this episode for you listeners to weigh in on who you think made the most compelling argument to win this cinephile hissy fit. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fits is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. Send hate mail to Don if you've enjoyed the show. We have more where that <laughs> came from with interesting hosts and wonderful guests. 
all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Well, thank you much. I'll see you next time. Uh, see you next time, my friend.